My name's Adam. I'm usually on stage leading worship. My wife, Megan, is on staff here, and it's my privilege to come to you this morning and kind of walk through um, the third week of Advent. So <clears throat> Advent, just so y'all are caught up with us, Advent means anticipation or anticipating the coming of Christ. So it's this kind of like month-long time period, four-week time period before Christmas, where as a church and collectively globally as a church, we're saying we want to talk about and get excited about this thing that we're celebrating on Christmas. So it's kind of taking Christmas and amplifying it a little bit. So we're taking Christmas and amplifying it, and we're talking about these things that this coming baby that's born on Christmas Day, this coming baby brings to us that we can grab a hold of and hold, hold to it tightly when tough things come, right? So the first week, Allie spoke, and she talked about the hope that Christ brings us versus the hopelessness that's in our world. Last week, Scott brought the message, and he talked about the peace that Christ brings us versus the warfare that's in our world, spiritual and otherwise, right? And this week, we're talking about joy. So each week, we're kind of doing the counterpart of what that week is. And so if we're talking about joy, we have to talk about sadness, kind of the antithesis of joy, the sadness piece of it. And it's, it's hard for me to talk about joy or sadness because I don't, am not an overly emotional person. Like, like if you catch me on a sappy TV show, like if I watch, uh, I don't watch This Is Us, but I'll walk in the room while my wife is watching This Is Us and just immediately start crying, which is kind of sad. Anybody else watch this show? I don't know anything about any of the characters, but it's so stinking emotional. It just sucks you in, right? And so that's about the only time where I go like one way or the other. It's just I watch five minutes of this show and immediately start crying. But I'm so even keeled. Like at times I have to remind myself, hey, you need to be outwardly happy about this moment. Like it's exciting. You need to be excited about it. So to talk about joy is really hard for me because I'm not a cheerleader. I don't get pumped up about a lot of stuff. I'm pretty even keeled. Right? And I don't get overly sad. It's just not in my nature. So for me, I will t- I'll be honest with you, for about a year, about a year ago, we had a sermon, and uh, I believe I spoke on it even, uh, where we talked about celebrating what God had done. And because I'm not overly joyful at things, I don't celebrate things really, really well. And so for a year now, I've been consciously trying to bend myself towards the joyous side of things, right? So it's been a long road. I'm not even close to there, but I'm trying to bend myself towards being outwardly happy when these things arise that you need to be outwardly happy about instead of just stone-faced. Men, a lot of us are stone-faced. We can bend towards joy, outward joy, right? It's hard. For me, it's really hard. So this message is tough. And because I don't lean one way or the other, it's been kind of tough. But what I do know is that there's truth in the gospel of what joy brings us. And there's truth in this world about what sadness is. Right? So sadness is among us. In this place today, there are people in this room where sadness is prevailing in their life where sadness is reigning over their hearts today, 
whether it be from the death of a loved one or a friendship that was broken in some way that was hurtful or just loneliness or hurt, loss of friendship, heartache. Sadness comes from all kinds of different places. And it creeps in ever so slowly. It's a creeper. There are moments in our lives where we should be sad. But that sadness that sticks with us for months and months and years and years and overcomes us isn't immediate. It moves in slowly. And so what I want to say to you today is if that's you and if that's not you, you need to hear this as well. Sadness or despair or gloom is real. It's a real thing in our lives. Okay? Sadness is real. It stems from a loss or lack of close personal relationships. Sadness stems from a loss or lack of close personal relationships. Death, a loss. Hurt friendships, a loss. Loneliness, a lack of close personal relationships. And when these things happen in our lives and they slowly creep in and creep in and creep in, it can overtake us and overwhelm us. And so if that's you in this place today, I'm telling you, sadness is real, and I'm going to tell you this as well. It's okay to feel that way. Like, it's not wrong if that's you. If you've been sitting in gloom for months and years, and it's hard to find joy, it's okay. But that's not what God wants for you. There's redemption for that. There is joy for that. So sadness is real, and it's okay, but that's not where you should be forever. For me, it's been a year of bending towards the joyous, right? And I'm not even close to being there. For some of us, it could be months or years where we bend towards it. But God is calling us to bend towards joy in our lives. So hear me. Sadness is real. It's okay to feel that way. But it's not the end game. There's more. There's more. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1. It's a story we've all heard probably countless times. My daughter can tell me part of this story. We were reading it last night as she went to bed, and she asked me a bunch of questions as to, like, why the sheep are different colors in the the Christmas story and other things, but at least she's grasping it. She's three, right? But in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39, we see two women. We see two women who I think are on board with this idea of sadness in their own way. And then we get to see the opposite in their lives. So starting in verse 39, it says this, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, into a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. 
So let's just back up. Mary and Elizabeth are our two women that we're looking at today. Mary, we all know who Mary is. She's the mother of the coming Christ, right? And she has been approached by Gabriel and Angel. And the angel said like, hey, Mary, we know you're really young. We know that you're not married. And we know that you're a virgin, but you're pregnant, right? And he's going to be the savior of the world. No big deal. But that's what's happening with you. And Mary understanding the weight of it all is kind of like, okay, we can do this. But my guess is the people around Mary weren't too keen on this idea, right? It even says in another passage that her fiance, Joseph, was planning to divorce her quietly to kind of forego some of the embarrassment that might happen. Mary was probably feeling some pressure from some people, probably feeling a loss or lack of close personal relationships immediately after this, feeling fairly lonely, probably feeling even a little sad. And so it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste. She hurriedly left town and went to visit her sister. Some commentaries say that this is probably two to four weeks after the angel's visit that this takes place. So pretty quickly, after this reality sets in for Mary, she heads out of town to kind of get away from what's happening, get away from the whispers that she's hearing behind her back and the sadness that's creeping in to her life where she's losing those relationships. So she heads to her cousin's house, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is a different story altogether. Elizabeth is not young. She is significantly older. She is uh, probably, uh, what did it say? I don't remember the year, but let's just put it this way. She's a senior citizen. And her whole life, her and her husband, Zachariah, have wanted to have a child. It's been their desire to have a child. And Zachariah has prayed and prayed, and Elizabeth has prayed and prayed to God, but yet they're not getting pregnant. Some of us know that reality in the room. And sadness has crept into their world. This strong desire is not happening for them. And sadness has probably crept in, and Zachariah is praying one day, and Lo and behold, who shows up again? But this angel, Gabriel, shows up. And he says, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. And you're going to have a son. And you're going to name him John. Become John the Baptist. And Zechariah says, well, how can I know that this is true? And he says, you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to talk until this baby's born. And you give him the name John. And so immediately, Zechariah's mouth is closed. And he can't talk. And Elizabeth is pregnant. And months are going by. This sadness that was in their life, because for years, years of trying to conceive has not worked. And then all of a sudden, there's a bump. And Elizabeth is pregnant. And joy fills their household again because of what God is doing. Right? Sadness is real in their lives. But joy is there as well. So Elizabeth is tuned in to what God is doing because she, now it says in the, in the scriptures that it's about six months into her pregnancy at this point. So Mary's 
two to four weeks in, and Elizabeth is six months in, and Mary walks in the door and greets Elizabeth. And in verse 41, it says this, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Joy filled that household at that moment. And it says this in verse 41, it says, And Elizabeth, upon hearing the greeting of Mary, was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we talked about sadness being real, but here's the truth. Joy comes from God. Joy comes from God. The baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Understanding fully what walked in the door was the future rescuer of the world. She was filled with the Holy Spirit and God's joy filled their household. And it says Mary stayed with them for three months and then she headed back home and immediately after she headed back home, Elizabeth had John and Zachariah could speak and they were joyful and excited about their new baby, John, who would eventually become John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus right? Joy comes from God. So what is joy? How do we even define it? How can we get our minds wrapped around it? And, and, you know, I could go read Webster's Dictionary or I could go find something, but I kind of took a couple of commentaries and put their thoughts together, and this is what I, I kind of resonated with me this week. In, joy is inward feelings of happiness and contentment that bursts forth in rejoicing or praise. Inward feelings of happiness and contentment that bursts forth in rejoicing or praise. So this crazy story that they had, Elizabeth was happy and content. She was made whole already. And because she was made whole, she had joy in her life, and when the joy of the world walked through the door, it just amplified it, right? And it burst out in rejoicing and praise, right? Joy for me is a, is, a, is a tough thing to grab a hold of, but joy comes from God. Elizabeth was tuned in to what God was doing in the world, and when we are tuned in to what God is doing, joy cannot help but occur. And when we're fi- filled with the Holy Spirit, joy is a byproduct, When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, joy is a byproduct. So that's Mary and Elizabeth's story, where Mary is probably feeling defeated, but walks into the door and it just is hit in the face by the joy that Elizabeth has, right? And we're going to look at another group of men in this Christmas story and see kind of how they react to joy. So remember, sadness is real, but joy comes from God. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Just turn the page a couple of pages Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, says this. 
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So these shepherds are hanging out in a field. And all of a sudden an angel shows up, which is crazy, right? Shepherds are not, uh, if we look at shepherds kind of in the Old Testament mindset, usually a shepherd is somebody who is in the family protecting the sheep that belong to that family. So if you think of David, right? David being a shepherd for his family's flock of sheep, fighting off bears and lions, right? That's kind of the Old Testament idea of a shepherd. If we move into the New Testament thinking, in the New Testament, when we see a shepherd, it's usually not a family member of whoever owns those sheep. It's usually a hired person. It's usually a hired person, and they are not considered great people. They're the lowest of the low. They're dirty. They're smelly. They're with sheep all day, and sheep are dumb and dirty and smelly themselves. And so the shepherds are fitting right in right? And the idea is that the shepherds, every night, the shepherds would try and gather their sheep together and make it back towards the city to a pen so that their sheep could be protected overnight. They're out in the fields during the day, and overnight they want to move their sheep into the pen, but sometimes it doesn't work. And this night, it didn't work for these shepherds. They end up on a hill outside of Bethlehem, sleeping with their sheep so that they could protect them. They can't just leave them alone. So they're out in this field, smelly, stinky, and they couldn't do their job completely, so they didn't even get them into the pen. They're out sleeping with the sheep. And all of a sudden, amongst them, an angel shows up. And it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't know what that looks like, but I imagine it's pretty great, but also terrifying. And these poor shepherds, who are the lowest of the low, are greeted by a heavenly creature, and the creature says, don't be afraid. I gotta tell you something. Today, the rescuer of the world is born. And that's something to get excited about. That is good news of great joy And it's not just for you, shepherds, it's for everybody. And so what do these shepherds do? Well, hang on, let's back up. So these shepherds hear this news, and then just so that the point is made even more clear, thousands of other angels show up, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, and sing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The shepherds' minds are blown at this moment, I would assume. Mine would be, for sure. I wouldn't know what to do next. And then in verse 15, it says this. The angels went away from them into heaven. 
So the shepherds are having this glorious moment where the glory of the Lord is shining around them. An angel announces the coming Christ, and then multitudes show up and praise Jesus. They have a little worship service on the hill amongst the sheep, and they just praise God for a moment, and then poof, they're gone. And these stinking shepherds are just standing on the hill, and they have a choice to make. See, I think a lot of times we feel like this story, the shepherds have no choice. They just have to go see this baby. But no, they have a choice to make. Do we allow this joy into our lives, or do we just stay where we're at? Do we allow this joy into our lives, or do we just stay where they're at? We know the end of the story. The shepherds go. But for us today in this place where sadness is real but joy comes from God, joy on our part requires a little bit of effort to receive it in a real way. Joy requires effort effort on our part to receive it. We sang a song this morning, Joy to the World. The Lord is come, let earth receive her king. And then this is the line that blew my mind. Let every heart prepare him room. Today, in this place, is your heart prepared? Have you prepared room for the joy of the Lord in your life? It takes effort on our part. Joy requires effort. If sadness is consuming your every day, if you cannot get out of bed without feeling defeated already, joy comes from God, but you have to receive it. You have to prepare your heart to see it. So for this year-long journey I've been on of bending towards joy, it's a preparing of my heart to celebrate what God is doing around me. Joy requires effort. Will we make room in our hearts for the joy of the Lord or will the sadness of the world win out? Will the gloom and doom win out? Because that's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. So when the angels left and went to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem And see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 16, and they went with haste. They went hurriedly. They just dropped everything and took off. Who knows what happened to those sheep? They're probably dead, right? These shepherds take off and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen, as it had been told to them. See, in the past month, I've had the opportunity to announce the birth of a new baby in our family, right? And it was joyous. I got to make phone calls and say like, hey, Here's Jacob, my new son. Here's a picture, Instagram. Check him out. He's pretty great. Better than all y'all's kids. (laughs) But it it cannot compare to the news that these shepherds brought to the world. 
You see, just the act of telling people about a new baby is news, and it's great news. It's exciting. It's fun. It gets everybody excited. Everybody wants to see him. Everybody wants to come visit him. And for all y'all who brought us meals, thanks. I appreciate it. You guys like to cook. But here's the deal. It's just news. But when the shepherds take this news and pair it with what they were told by the angel, it's gospel. It's good news. It's life-changing It's for all people. It's not just the news. It's the gospel. And the gospel has power to change us and to change the world. There's so much more that we can do when we grab a hold of the joy of the Lord in our lives. When we prepare room for joy in our life and we say, God, give me joy, I'm ready for it, and we take it and we grasp it, it overflows in our hearts. It overflows. The shepherds could not help but go to the town. I'm assuming it's probably like the middle of the night and they're banging on doors going, you guys won't believe what's happening in this barn. The joy of the Lord It's like that in our lives. You won't believe what I saw God do in the life of my friend over here. You won't believe what I saw God do in the life of the family of somebody I go to church with. He is faithful and he is holy and he is amazing. I can't help but tell you how joyful I am about what God is doing in the world around me. That is the overflow of joy in our lives. And so for some of us today, sadness is reigning in our lives, and that's okay, but God has more for you. It requires some effort, and when we make that effort and we accept the joy of Jesus Christ into our life, we then overflow with joy and point others towards him with that. It is more than just showing up at Christmas Eve service and singing Silent Night with a candle or this year we're going to have some lovely glow sticks so get excited about that next week but it is more than that it is the bending of our hearts towards what God's desire is and that is to bring glory to his name and so when the joy of the Lord comes into our life we can say God is great and we can point others towards that we talk about the renown of God a lot here at Gateway and the renown of God is the fame of God so get excited because when joy comes into your life you are amplifying the name of Jesus Christ the fame of God is growing and that is God's renown moving and that's a big deal Joy requires effort, but it overflows oh so much when we grab a hold of it. It's a tough thing sometimes for some of us who are just sitting in sadness, in loss, in hurt. It's a hard thing to overcome that. But God is saying, prepare room for me and I'll come in and I'll overflow your heart with my joy in your life. The band's gonna come up and we're gonna sing Joy to the World in a moment, but for us now in this place, let's just take a moment to think about what in your life is causing despair, sadness or loneliness 
Is there something that is stopping you from seeing the joy of the Lord fulfilled in your life? Is there something stopping you from opening your heart to see what God has for you? Sadness is real, but the joy of God is huge. And it overflows. God is offering hope, peace, and joy. Are we willing in this place to make room in our heart for him? Let's just take a moment, just here in this room, in the quiet, to pray. Reflect on yourself. Is joy overflowing in my life? Is sadness reigning, or am I just clueless and ambivalent to the whole thing? God's joy is bigger than your sadness. God's joy is bigger than your ambivalence. And he wants to reign in your heart. God, we love you. We love that we get to hear stories around us of this church, of you changing people's lives, molding people, making people new, making disciples. And that is joy that can fill our hearts. God, we are excited about what you've done in our own lives, saving us from certain death, but giving us eternal life. God, help us today to make room for the joy that Jesus brings us. For it leads to an eternal joy of worshiping you. God, help us today to break our hearts open so that we can see your joy reign in our life in a real way. And God, if we're there already, if we're already like on fire, grabbing a hold of your joy, God, help us to overflow it to the world around us. God, we love you. And we can't wait to worship you.